Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Well, we've got an amazing program today, an awesome message by Dr. Stevens, a new standard for living, really a transforming message. If you listen carefully, wow, you can get so much from this teaching. And then we're going to have a devotional message afterwards about mind renewal. I'd like to speak a message on the new standard for living. The new standard for living. The Word of God says, The thief, Satan, comes to steal. Then he robs, he kills, and he destroys. Let that sink deeply into our hearts. Satan comes to steal, to make sick, to rob us of health, to rob us of values, to rob us of happiness, to rob us of wisdom, to rob us of being successful on our jobs. And then he, his second program is to kill our capacity, to kill our health, to kill our aspirations, our dreams, our faith visions, our faith expectations. And the next thing he does is to destroy, and the word destroy there means so that we will not have a capacity for change. So we will not have a capacity for change. I have counseled many people, and I don't know what to do. Not recently, but they want to be counseled, but they don't have a capacity for change. The Word doesn't do that for them. Love doesn't do it for them. Prayer doesn't do it for them. Why? Because Satan has been effective in his deception on his part to steal from them what is God's will, to rob. And then the second thing he does is kill their capacity and then he destroys any possibility for their change. So then they have to rely on pharmaceutical drugs. They have to rely upon negativity, and they don't even admit it. They live in denial. They have flashes of emotional hope, times of verbalizing faith. But I want to say to all of us today, from the bottom of my heart, when I get through with this message, it is so scriptural, biblical, and correct. So that's Satan's entire program, is to steal virtue, to steal emotional health, to steal from a good self-image in Christ, to steal from a life of enjoyment, a life of happiness, to rob people of the attributes of faith, to kill people's capacity, and to destroy people's lives. He is in full-time business doing that. Now watch us now as the Spirit of God takes me into a correlation. Let the wicked, and the word there is rasha in the Hebrew, and I studied it for a number of minutes to get its depth. It means a person 
who has been demonized with cosmic infections in his attitude toward God's plan so he never realizes God's purpose, which is eternal. I'll say that again. The Hebrew word is rasha. It means to be demonized with a cosmic attitude toward God's plan so that we never realize God's eternal purpose in our lives. Now, that may infect us in many different ways. For example, because of this, you may never take drugs, but some will. Because of this, you'll never become an alcoholic, but some will. You may never commit immorality, but some will. But you will forsake God's way, deny God's truth, and live in a biological or bios life. You will do that, whatever that may mean for your life. Now, the moment this infection comes, this is what takes place. When somebody steals something, that means you live without it. When somebody robs you, it means something that you're now missing. When somebody kills, it means it isn't there anymore. It's gone. And when somebody destroys, it means totally, absolutely no capacity. The other things had to happen first. But the infected one, as it has been defined this morning, forsake the Hebrew word rub, R-O-B. Forsake this way of his infection. This way where he's been the effect of a satanic series of causes. Let him forsake it. Then it uses a very unique word and let the unrighteous man forsake his way. Let the infected one forsake his thought. Now, the unrighteous here is very different. It means somebody that because of emptiness has taken on a different attitude because of emptiness. And the attitude is without God's standard of grace, God's standard of power in their life. The unrighteous man then, here in this passage, is a person who is unable to receive from God because of the destruction and damage done to the soul. So far am I going slowly and are you understanding? Alright. Then it says, let him return unto the Lord. Just simply, in the bankruptcy of poverty spiritually, let him return. To return means he's been there once. He's returning to something he has had. Maybe he didn't have it long, but he has had it. So let him or her return unto God's Son to be the Lord through the Spirit and the Word. Then there's a very beautiful principle. And the Lord will show. Here's what the Hebrew says. Unconditional love, eternal mercy, heavenly compassion, divine pity, these are the words in the Hebrew for the word abundant. Then it says, pardon. And here's what it means. When that person returns, God keeps revealing a flow of love and mercy and forgiveness 
and healing. And it's like a stream that picks up momentum. And the flow keeps increasing and 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 increasing. And the only thing that the Lord asks for is the person receives it and keeps on receiving no matter what has been done or what goes on in their life. It isn't just that God pardoned me. I am now the object of this flow. And the word abundant means intensification of development. It means increase in the flow. And that is a magnificent thing. It took two hours just to get that in the ancient writings. Imagine, just one little thing. To tell you that much, it took me an hour and 50 minutes. Not to accept just what commentaries say. But to me, that is beautiful. Every child of God that returns to the Lord and believes he's the Lord over sin, the Lord over death, the Lord of grace, the Lord of mercy, the Lord of righteousness, the Lord of love, the Lord over faith, and everyone that returns over to the one that has supreme command over Satan and gives us something special for a new standard of life. Now, Jesus said, okay. Satan comes to steal, and with it he robs, and then he comes to kill, and then he comes to destroy, so that you don't have a capacity to receive. And God's plan is rejected because of frustrations in the circumstances of the details of life, so that you never realize God's eternal purpose in the situation that is at hand. There's no purpose in it for you except frustration. 2 Corinthians 1.8 I'm going to give you the application in the Greek without going into the words. Paul said, dear folks, in the midst of your tribulation, in the midst of your poverty, in the midst of your heartache and pain, you have given out of an abundant, overflowing heart of generosity. You've gone beyond the reality of sight. Everything's wrong with you folks. But he said physically, you know, physically you're not healthy. You've got tribulation. You're being persecuted. But he said, you never thought a second thought from the abundance of love and faith you've given to help others. Amazing verse. Incredible. Jesus said, I have come that you might not only have life in the most incredible words in the entire book of John for practical application for a Christian is that you have it more abundantly. And he said, I want to contrast that with what Satan's doing. I want to contrast it with why I came. I have forgiven you abundantly. That means way beyond anything you can ever know, by the way. I paid for your sins way beyond anything you'll ever experience. You'll never down here be able to experience, because of your capacity, the depth of what it means to be forgiven. Unless you let this abundant life flow in you. He said, I come... The words more abundantly are so unique. Now, abundantly is inexhaustible, overflowing, incomprehensible, unfathomable. But now he puts more in front of it. He said, you mark it down. I want you to have life beyond 
anything you've ever known or experienced or have knowledge of through the scriptures. I was thinking of Mr. Henderson this morning whose wife left him. His wife left him and ran out on him because Mr. Henderson came down with Parkinson's disease at a very young age. And she just didn't like it. For better or for worse, didn't mean that to Miss, Mrs. Henderson. And she left him. And I went to his house four times a week between 2 and 2.30 and prayed with him every day because he was so heartbroken. And I gave him everything I could to read of men of God and anything I could say to him. And he turned it into a magnificent life. And Mr. Henderson went out every day from 3 to 5 to knock on doors. And he was shaking alone on his own and he brought within a year he brought 28 people in our church single-handed and he just was always bubbling with joy shaking but bubbling and the second year in a healing service on a Sunday night of his salvation he got gloriously healed supernaturally I was thinking however of Ralph who stayed in our home who shared with us the blind evangelist that has reached millions or thousands of people through Braille, starting a Braille ministry. And he said, I would take my little children in my arms and just stare at them, knowing that I would never see them again. And I could not get grace to be blind. And I'd go out with my wife and stare at her and watch the sunset. And then we'd get up the next morning and watch it rise. And I kept doing that. I couldn't see God's purpose. I didn't have the capacity to receive this providential act of God. While I went to them and prayed, I was not living in sin. Everything was seemingly great, but here's the blindness. I began to shake people's hands and couldn't see the hand anymore, except the shadow. And then Ralph Montanus became blind. God didn't answer his prayer like he did, Mr. Henderson. But today he has the most fantastic, unbelievable Braille ministry. And it is recorded that last year 290,000 accepted Christ through Braille and are being discipled by his Braille material. The last time I saw him, he smiled and he said, Oh, do I understand God's purpose now. To think God had to do this to me because I wouldn't have gone into a Braille ministry. And he said, now, by the grace of God, he said, hundreds and thousands are getting saved and going into the Bible in Braille and becoming happy and peaceful and joyous in that world that cannot see the sunrise. Do you know, see, God's plan for him was only to reach them and it would mean him to lay down his life. Now, here's the key to this message. And it's precious. God says, I want you to experience something way beyond your knowledge about life. I want you to experience something way beyond you've ever seen. See, we judge what's going to happen by what we've experienced and what we already know. And that conditions us to an incapacitation of receptivity toward this wealth. Of God's riches in love. We're so natural, though we believe in the supernatural, we almost don't dare to believe in it because of our past experiences. 
Now I'm going to say this again very, very slowly. The new standard of life in the grandeur of mercy is this. I want you to know beyond the length of this universe, beyond the depth of your scientific grasp, beyond the width of your intelligence, beyond the height of what you see with your eyes, I want you to know beyond those four dimensions on earth, the love of God, which passes by all the knowledge of everything you have and know in the secular world, in the spiritual world, and to be filled with all this plenteous of grace, plenteous of mercy, plenteous of love, to be filled with all the fullness of God, and to know that He is able to give you beyond what you present tense, middle, the subject produces the action, middle voice, indicative, dogmatic, I direct middle, you receive the action of it. I want you to act in faith toward love, toward the wealth of grace, toward the grandeur of mercy, and to know He's able to go way beyond what you've asked. Forget what you've asked. It's a new world with God. Way beyond what you think. Way beyond anything you've experienced. Way beyond anything you can talk about around the table. But it will be according to the standard of the power of grace and love and mercy that you receive for nothing and works in you through faith. And unto Him be glory in the church throughout all the ages, world without end. Bill, a friend of mine, came to our church, did well for three years, backslid, 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 drugs, everything. We drove 27 miles and saw him from a bar room. He was in a bar room. This is what he said. He was drinking over excessively and he said, he was at this bar room in Portland. He said, I know somebody that still loves me. I'm going to call me. He went to pay phone. He called me and I happened to be home. He said, I know somebody that loves me. I can't go on anymore. It's my second year and a half of back, so I just hate this. We drove down. Two of us drove down to Portland, brought him home. He's with the New Tribes Missions as a missionary today. You know what he said? I know somebody that loves me. And all that is is receiving and giving what I got. No man gets credit for anything. It's just thank God when you receive and just say you can have it too. And then he keeps getting filled. Perhaps you saw on TV the seven boys in Kentucky, a small town. They didn't drink. They didn't smoke. They were teenagers. They all went to the same school. They played sports. They worked at the same place. They were wonderful kids. Their eighth friend didn't go with them because he didn't have money. They were at their jobs. They were going out for half an hour lunch break and got into an accident. All seven died in their van. All seven died. Nobody can figure it out down there because they didn't drink, didn't smoke. They were sweethearts of kids. They were just going for their lunch break. And the eighth guy that's so close to them said, I guess if I had known that was going to happen, I miss him so much, I would like to be with him. But the unexpected takes place so quickly. Teenagers, good teenagers, wonderful teenagers, 
models for teenage people. In five minutes from the time they left their place of business, they're all gone. Why that happened, I don't know. Neither do you. But I know this. God's way is perfect in Psalm 1830. I know that he does everything perfectly in Deuteronomy 33.4. And I know that was his purpose because those were wonderful kids. That I know. So we rest the case. See? They're in heaven. We rest the case. Now, Satan comes to steal and with it rob. Rob me of forgiveness, forgiving others. Rob me of happiness, to rob us of joy, to rob us of getting the benefits of nature, to rob us of prospering. Whatever that means, it's real. To rob us of good health, to rob us of good relationships, of a good mind, good emotions, and happy expectations from God. And then he tries to kill any desire we have for the supernatural. And then he destroys our capacity so we can't come back. But God says, return, and I will intensify mercy, intensify love, intensify grace. It'll be a little stream. It'll flow bigger and bigger towards you, towards you, because that's who I am. And I'll give you the wealth of my love, the wealth of my grace, the wealth of my compassion. And you can't even touch it. Why, after 5,000 have had the five loaves and fishes, It'll still be there. Not one thing will be gone. And he says, if you be rooted and grounded in love and exercise faith, you'll know beyond any dimensions of time. And he said, you will know this love which goes beyond knowledge by personal experience. You'll be filled with it consistently. And the new standard for your provision and your prayers and your joy and by the way, abundant joy in Second Corinthians 8 in the midst of difficulty. You'll go way beyond that and have the more excellent thing keeping you, motivating you, energizing you, stabilizing you, maturing you. And I like Ephesians 1.8 and with this I'm closing. He will abound towards you with supernatural knowledge supernatural wisdom and supernatural prudence but there prudence means experience in that knowledge no it doesn't it means divinely speaking going beyond the knowledge if you can don't forget to send a tax deductible gift to us your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com It says in Romans 12:2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This aspect of our Christian lives, that our mind can be renewed, it's such an amazing thing. This privilege that we have with God, this communion that we have with God, that there's a fresh start available to us. We so need that. It's so important to us. Many times uh, the burdens of life, the difficulties that we face on a daily basis are really our feet can get dirty in this world. And that's why they need to be cleansed by the Lord. And like he did at the Last Supper for his disciples, 
He cleansed their feet, and they were already clean because of the word that was spoken to them. But that fresh cleansing that removes the grime and the dirt of the world, and it's very much like that. The word of God, we equate it to soapy water, really, that we lather up our hands when they're dirty and grimy. That lather and the cleaning and washing takes all those things and they flow away from us and again we're restored. It says in First John 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this is an amazing thing, this idea of rebound, that I come to God, we do this alone, it's just us and God. We, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And we, we come to him alone, confessing our sins. And there's a transaction that takes place, and it says that he's one, that he's faithful, meaning that he will do it, he promises to do it, and he's just to forgive us our sins, because those sins have been paid for on the cross. And that in this renewal, this coming to God, that he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It's awesome. In Ephesians 5:25 through 27, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle nor any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. And this is a wonderful verse about marriage and the role of a husband with his wife but it's also the underlying principle there is that this is the way that Christ deals with his church that he washes by the water of the word and in this washing in this flow of the word of God into our lives in Psalm 23 5 and 6 thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. There's an overflow. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Like it says in Titus 1.15, Unto the pure all things are pure. So in this process of renewed, having a renewed mind, our thinking again is restored back to holiness. Though we've had a burdens, though our day is seemingly by sight is not going well. But in a moment of time, we, we, we take a step back. We meditate on the promises of God. We begin to praise God for what he's done in our lives. We worship him for who he is. These precious promises uh, that we, we rehearse them. We begin to commit them to memory, what God has promised us. Because in these circumstances, we take them out and they're like spiritual vitamins that renew us and strengthen us in our inner man. In Second Peter 1, 4 through 9, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. So we start at 1 John 1, 9 in that we confess our sins. But then we add unto our faith. We add unto our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and so on and so on. We live in this building up of the word of God in our lives. 
It says it will not be barren, will not be unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.15, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. In a moment of time we can be miserable and then our mind is renewed and we we're brought back into the realities of the glory of God and what he's done on our behalf. And so I don't judge my brother. Instead, I'm a helper of his joy to bring him back into that place. If I can give a word in season that that might enable someone to again hear the voice of the Spirit of God speaking to them that their mind might be renewed and their fellowship restored and their per- perspective again back into the place where they can have that great sweet fellowship with God. It's like a cup of cold water to a brother. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com So Lord, thank you, God. We pray. Lord, as we speak of mind renewal tonight, and but there's a first, there's an initial renewing of our mind. In that moment when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are cleansed, we are given a new heart. God takes out the old stony heart and gives us a new heart, a heart of flesh that can be washed and cleansed and renewed. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, you can. You can pray a prayer Something like this, Lord, come into my life, save me, wash me, cleanse me of my sins. Because of what you did and the work that you accomplished on the cross, I believe that you love me and have a desire that I would be clean and holy. So I come to you, God, just as I am, and pray that you would cleanse me, wash me, and make me yours. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.